says I have trouble with intimacy, but people often die when they get close to me. I'm kicking and punching. All right, hello. Uh, welcome to the DC Threekly Batman and Robin Eternal Extravaganza podcast number nine. It is number nine. Or, no, number eight. Or what is no, it? No, it's number nine. You're it right. is number nine. Okay, man, I'm so lost. <laughs> um, I'm Zach, and I'm joined by Brian. Uh, Vince is out sick this week, unfortunately, so this yeah. one is in memorial of him. It is. Uh, it's, it's interesting, though. I, so I want to test something out. So before I was listening back to one of our older uh, chats, and uh, I was working on my Vince impression. And so I actually played a recording of Vince for my wife, and then a recording of me pretending to be Vince as my wife, for my wife, and she couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> so let's see how good this goes, all right? You ready? Okay, I'm ready. Yeah, I'm Vince, see? Let's go Packers, see? Batman and Robin Eternal, see? pretty good right <laughs> it's uncanny i can't tell the difference i know i know so if you just do half the podcast in that voice it'll be like vince was here the whole time exactly that, perfect if i slip into that later you'll understand why yes <laughs> all right so brian do you want to talk about what what happened in this issue a little yeah, bit yeah y'all recap through, it walk us through the recap go for it okay so we start off um with Tim and and Jason in Santa Prisca um, after stealing something called a a water house crypto forge, which I'm not sure if we're supposed to know what that is. I don't think um, so. <laughs> or if it even exists. I don't know. Um, but you know, they they have some great snarky banter, of course, as we've seen from these guys, um, and we get. A few more mentions of things like the Angel of Death, the Order of St. Dumas, and interestingly, a flaming sword, which um, will come into play a little bit later. And we find that the prison, I, I believe it's called Peña Doro, Duro, um, has been converted by the Order of St. Dumas into the Crusade of St. Dumas, um, a giant crystal-esque building that kind of reminds me a bit of penguin well i guess it's not really yeah it's kind of crystally maybe that's stained glass i don't know it kind of reminds me of the penguins hideout in batman eternal a little bit yeah um so that happens and then bane shows up um unvenomed just a regular regular bane and starts beating up on Jason and Tim. Jason gets his little rematch. Um, as you may remember, they Jason and Bane fought in Batman Eternal. Um, but then this leads into a little team-up as they go take on the prison-converted church. Um, then we get a flash to Prague in the present day. We get a little bit of uh, dialogue between dick and harper and it's just you know kind of nice uh just like catching up with these characters some nice character development for both of them some really good stuff then we go back into the issues flashback which is bruce in Prague after tracking mother he goes and meets with her and she's already figured out um you know what his plan is she found the tracker immediately and um they talk a little bit about 
what Bruce has become, what he's doing, how he's reacted to his parents' death, and Mother ends up making him an offer not to build him the perfect wife, to, to, but to build him a better Robin. Um, we catch back up then in the present with Bane, Jason, and Tim um, it, in the the uh, St. Dumas's hideout. Um, Tim finds some wine casket, some, some barrels of wine that aren't actually, it's not quite wine, it's some kind of chemical that he's never seen before. Um, they explore a little bit more and come across some kind of um, religious ceremony where people are drinking this chemical and it seems to be healing them. Um, they get caught and a fight's about to break out when at the end of the issue we get the, the big reveal, what we've all been kind of um, expecting now for a while. We get the reveal that Azrael... Um, is is here he's working with saint dumas and and he's got that big flaming lightning sword and then he looks pretty new 52 <laughs> yeah yeah there's a couple little uh touches specifically <laughs> the lines everywhere <laughs> yeah um yeah but oddly oddly and i mean maybe not oddly enough not that different from 90s Azrael. right right well i mean i, I think you know <laughs> If we're looking at at like the uh, the evolution of DC characters' looks, mm-hmm. '90s and New Fifty Two are closer than any other. He's you got know, those uh, Pandora Pandora lines on his face, you know. Yes, he does. <laughs> oh boy, Pandora! Did they ever establish what happened to the Trinity of Sin? So I don't probably in the and there was the book. There was. Um. Wasn't th- was there an actual Trinity Trinity of Sin book there for a while, or were- was it just the? Well, the, there was there was Trinity of Sin Pandora, and there was Trinity of Sin the Phantom Stranger, and then they came together into a Trinity of Sin book that lasted, I think, six issues. Maybe, I thought so. Yeah, maybe eight issues, but I don't think I read any of them. I, I maybe didn't the either, first so, one. So I'm sure that book probably told what happened, but. But like that was, you know, Pandora was in every issue of the New Fifty Two when it started. Yeah. It was yeah. such a big deal, and I feel like nothing ever happened with that. Well, I kind of feel like Johns had plans for her, and then Trinity War kind of changed into something else. And the, the prelude for Forever Evil. For yeah, exactly. Yeah, it kind of became that, and so whatever role she was going to play kind of was lost. And then it came to um, other writers like uh, Demetrius to, to guide her. And what a mess. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Let's talk about the issue. So besides for Azrael being the worst kept secret in comics, you know, I think we all pretty much figured it out pretty early on. Um, there let's, were... now, well, let's not undersell it. I mean, we we can can we at least like give ourselves a small pat on the back for sure. getting this one when we didn't get anything <laughs> yeah. in, in the original Eternal. <laughs> yeah, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll agree with that. Um, and I think it was also it was handled well. Yeah, like, you know, I, I think all of us initially thought that Orphan was going to be Asriel, mm-hmm. and at least now it appears that isn't the case, and so. That leads to another question to sort of who is the orphan, which is, I'm sure will be somebody else we've heard of. I can't imagine that being no one. Oh, maybe. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens with the orphan. Well, there, there's one comment in here that 
maybe my my one thing. I don't know. We may talk about it before then, but it has me really interested to see who this character is. Okay, who who orphan is? You mean? Or who Azrael? Who this Azrael oh, is? This Azrael is okay. Cool. Yeah, uh, we'll get to that in a little while then. Um, you know, I, I think that overall. By the way, we should mention. Uh, this we should have mentioned the spoilers at the top, but we've got distracted. And oh, I that's my true, yeah. Amazing Vince voice. Um, but this is the first issue scripted by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, the guys behind Hacktivist. This is their first time scripting an issue of Eternal, and the first issue illustrated by Forgive Me Roge or Roger Antonio. Yes, an artist I- I'm not familiar with. I believe he has done some of the Batman annuals, the more recent ones that uh, James Tynion mm-hmm. uh, wrote. I think like the third and fourth one, maybe. Okay. Uh, I'm sure I've seen his work before. I, th- I think he does a pretty pretty nice job here. Uh, you know, I, we got a little bit spoiled last two weeks by Alvaro Martinez. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, I think this is, you know, visually a good a good look. He continues the streak of making Red Hood look like Robot Man. Um, yeah. But aside from that, I, I think overall he did a nice job with Bane, making Bane look big, but not the cartoonish Bane we sometimes get. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bane seemed a little bit more. Although I guess towards the end, I don't know if at the end he's supposed to be uh, venomed up again. Does he look a little bit bigger? Yeah, he does seem to get a little bit bigger. Um, but overall, I, I did think it was uh, it was a well well illustrated issue. I'm glad that we got to see uh, Jason take the the robot man mask off a little bit. Yeah, because uh, that's something that doesn't happen, I think, enough. Well, and, I also thought it was very funny that he had the domino mask on underneath. Well, the, the, that, well or did he put that on? I think that's been a new fifty two thing with him. Okay, I, I think he wears the domino mask under. But it is pretty funny. It's you know it's. Uh, it's like taking off your sunglasses, have a smaller set of sunglasses on underneath them. <laughs> yes. You know? uh, but, you know, so I, should we talk about the flashback a little bit, I guess? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think they've done a really nice job of making Mother a complete character mm-hmm. with limited screen time, page time thus far. Uh, I, I think we get a pretty good indication of who she is and what she's all about. And... She either has an incredible network of spies to figure out who Bruce is or was incredibly lucky to figure out who Bruce Wayne is. Um, You know, just happened to catch him with his guard down a little bit. But I'll also say she clearly knows how to get to the heart of him Mm -hmm. and how to push his buttons pretty instantly. Mm -hmm. Do you think at this point that Bruce's commitment to building a better Robin is, is still in the, under the auspices of getting information? Or do you think he could possibly be seduced into, seduced is the wrong word, uh, coerced into actually doing this? You know, I, I still don't think we're quite at that point yet where it's that it's, believable enough that he would go down that path Mm -hmm. i don't know there's still yeah there's still so much about the mother situation that we that i just think we don't know enough about 
Yeah, um, and, and I don't think that's a bad thing, actually. No, I don't. I don't either. Yeah, you know, one of my problems with Batman Eternal was that I felt like it, it wasn't. It didn't feel like it was telling one fifty-two week story. It felt mm-hmm. like it was telling, uh, like there was two or three different stories that were kind of smushed together to make one big story. Right. This feels far more like one big story. It is much tighter. Yeah, um, and with we're, a... we're approaching the halfway mark. You yeah. know, uh, by the time, by this time next month, we'll be halfway done with the series. Mm-hmm. And it's been incredibly, um, tight's a good word for it, but it feels like the story's just moved along and there hasn't been too much dilly-dallying around the margins at all. Right, the pacing has been really, really well done, and I think where we are now and what we know now is appropriate for the point we are in the story. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like we know, we probably have know and have seen more than I even really expected to at this point. I didn't expect to actually see mother until, you know, maybe at least past the halfway point. Um, yeah, that's, that's actually a really good point. Um, yeah, what so what what else what else from this issue demands conversation? Mm. I liked I mean I like again the the little Dick and Harper exchange. Um those are two characters I really like to see. I like seeing them interact and makes me more and more want a a Batman and Robin dynamic for those two. Which I think we're gonna get. Um, I, you I think have so? A feel, I have a feeling. I have a feeling that there, that that's what's gonna come out of this. But I could be wrong. Um, so it's interesting that we're getting a lot of Tim and Jason stuff. Have we ever really seen them paired up this much before? Mm, I was gonna say not in the New Fifty Two, but I don't. I don't know if ever actually. Um, because, you know, by the time Tim came along, Jason was already off the table and then he came back as a villain and all of the Morrison stuff happened, but even then they never really interacted. And it really wasn't until the new 52 that I guess we saw them interact all that much and definitely never as much as this. Maybe battle for the cowl. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but but that wasn't I, I in this that was more context. antagonistic. Right, yeah. right, yeah. Um But yeah, it's been it's been really interesting so far to watch those two together. Mm-hmm. Well, I kind of I see it in the same kind of in the same vein of in Eternal we had Jason and Barbara interacting a lot. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed that and thought that was interesting. And it, it's kind of there's something really interesting to me about seeing Jason interact with the Bat family and seeing him kind of shedding all of the history he's had a little bit. Maybe maybe not shedding it because it's still there, but moving past it, I think, maybe. We're yeah. getting a, a little bit of character growth for him, I think. Yeah, I still think that it's a problematic character and one that hasn't really been handled all that well over the course of the last 10 years. I know mm. people like when Judd Winnick brought him back, but I feel like Jason Todd means more dead than alive still. 
Yeah, I agree. Because right now, he basically just equates to, like, the Bat family's loose cannon, you know? Right, right. But I think if we're going to, and we've said this in the past on the podcast, that if we're going to have to have Jason back, at least they're trying to do something with him. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, anything else you want to add? No, I don't guess so. We can move into our our one thing from the issue. Yeah, mine is actually not really from the issue. Okay. It's just more an observation that's interesting. So, I didn't go back and check, but it's pretty astounding to me that we are almost halfway through the series and we haven't seen scripts from Ed Brisson yet. Yeah. You know, well, okay, uh, so let's think who who haven't is he, is he the only I person? believe so. Tim Seeley is not on this team again, is he? I thought he was, but I I think he had some issues earlier. Oh, he did, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. okay. So, I believe he's the only one then. Okay. Well, you know, maybe maybe he's coming up because it kind he, of seems he's like He's going next week. I, I checked it out before. Okay. So, he's not next week, but still I yeah, feel like well, it issue seems 10 like each, is a long way. Well, there were a lot of um, writers at, announced, attached to this project, and it kind of seems like each one got a like one to two issue arc before they kind of circled back around. Mm-hmm. Other other than maybe Tynion, because he's kind of like the showrunner. I think yeah. he he did the opening issues, and then the maybe. Maybe an issue before Valentine's issues, I think. Yeah, I, I, I looked it up. The next three are Brisson, or at least if, if the solicits are correct. Okay. The next three are Brisson, then back to two for uh, Tynan, and then two for these guys again. Okay. You know, um, but yeah. yeah, so I mean, it is a, it's a big, it's a big writing staff. You got, you know... The Hacktivist guys, you got Seely, you got Valentine, you got Orlando, you got Tynan, and you have uh, Brisson, plus Snyder is technically a part of this too, although I don't think you're going to see Snyder scripting any issues. Right, he seems kind of just more like overseeing everything, almost yeah. kind of like if if Tynan's the, the showrunner, uh, Snyder's almost kind of like the producer or yeah, something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I could see that. Uh, but I just found that interesting, and I'm interested to see because I feel like if you look at the different writers, like Seely has more experience with horror. Uh, Orlando is kind of the snappy dialogue, food and drink guy. Uh, Valentine is very much the mafia type. I expected the hacktivist guys to be far more technological mm-hmm. in their issues. Um not that it's a bad thing that they are not that way. It's just, it, I feel like, you know, these writers were all drafted because of their past and their pitches, but it seems like this is not what I'd expect from these guys. Yeah. I mean, we get a little bit of it from Tim later in the issue, but, yeah, you know, not as much as you would expect. Although you, you're right, that would be, you know, there are kind of characters in the series that I think speak more towards the different creator groups. Like, you know, I would maybe expect Tim to speak more to these guys, whereas Seeley obviously has a handle on Dick. And, um, you know, I think that, I think that's really interesting. We saw that a bit in Eternal as well, you know, with, um, 
with, I guess, was it Seeley that handled the like Batwing horror segment? He handled the Killer Croc stuff, so I guess yeah, that's which probably. was I think was that. Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah, what's interesting? What's you know stark about the difference in the two series though is I feel like issue ten and Eternal was still like the engine was just getting revved up. Right. Whereas here, it, it feels like oh, the series is is winding down oh. much faster. It was Fox. That's who did that stuff. That's right. Because yeah, he was writing. Fox, he was writing. Yeah. He was writing uh, Gotham by Midnight at the yes. time too. Yes. Okay. Um. But yeah. Um. All right. What is your one thing that is Asriel related? Um. Well, just you that um bit of dialogue he has right before he reveals himself when he says. Uh, something like how he knows each of the characters. He he was with Bane when his mother was thrown from the walls. He um, was there when Batman was struck down. And Red, Haw- Red Hood he knows best of all when he met him on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems like this is a character that is either, you know, just kind of BSing, trying to get in their heads, or he has some kind of supernatural aspect to him right and so i automatically start running through what character that could be you know see i i think it's it's just going to be uh jean paul valley okay because we saw a name that looked like that on the list right and um you know i also think that this issue this series rather has not been reticent in its uh fake outs mm-hmm. like having tim answer the phone hello mother and it turned out it was actually his mother, <laughs> you know. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Uh, so I wouldn't necessarily think that there's too much to be read into that, but it does mean that he's going to be a more supernatural Azrael. Mm-hmm. See, I'm thinking what's going to happen here is I'm thinking that he is going to be the one created by mother the the robin yes yeah i think you're probably right and i think that possibly he died in that process okay and then came back i don't know i don't know either i wonder if um i wonder if we'll get some Rachel Ghoul in there somewhere. Oh, that's interesting. Because he, you know, he played a small part, or he had, I think he was barely mentioned in Eternal. Yeah, didn't he basically say, like, it's not me. Yeah, exactly. You leave me alone. Essentially, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wonder, you know, I, yeah, I, I feel like there, we will get eventually the the history of Azrael in yeah. the new 52 later on in the series. And I'm interested to see kind of where all he intersects in the, the history of the bat family. Yeah. Um, let's just take a minute and talk about Dick Grayson. Okay. We talked in the past about how the book was called Batman and Robin eternal and how it's clearly an, an anniversary celebration of Batman and Robin and specifically of Dick Grayson. And that Dick Grayson's the only person to claim to have been both Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. I know his solo series is a big success, but do you think he's going to be moving back into Gotham in some capacity? 
soon? Well, I haven't read Robin War number one yet, Mm -hmm. but I've seen some stuff about it that makes me think that that might be the case. I'm only about halfway through. I was reading it when, when this call started. So right, I have not finished it yet. Um, okay, so I won't say anything. No, I, and I, I've seen a couple of headlines that made that that maybe you know spoil or quasi spoiled a few things for me too. Mm-hmm. But but I will say this: I will say that I feel like one of the real problems the New Fifty Two, and this is not new territory for me or for us to talk about, has been the refusal to give legacy characters their fair share. And the refusal to let sort of the history, uh, you know, play out as being as important as maybe it is to us, the fans. And I feel like letting Dick become something other than Nightwing, but not quite Batman, is actually a really wise thing for them right now. Like, he needs a role in this, in this family that's different. So you think you think that the the Grayson's the spiral agent thing has kind of run its course and it's time to I don't think it has but I think that they're afraid it will. Okay. Or maybe just see it as we have an opportunity here to do something really special with Dick Grayson. Mhm. Let's do that. See now again like if you remember back when Morrison quote killed Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. the original idea was for Wayne to be dead for 5 years. And DC said you're going to get a year. You have a year to play with here. And I feel like, similarly with what Snyder just did, if Bruce Wayne is gone for an extended period of time, I think, you know, uh, Bat Gordon is a good temporary replacement. Mm -hmm. But if we were ever to believe, if we're ever going to be led to believe that Bruce was really going to be done, we'd have Dick back in the Batsuit. Because he's just a logical Batman. Well, maybe this Azrael will die before the series ends and Dick will take up the role as uh, the bat Azrael. Interesting. I don't really think that'll happen. I know, I know. (laughs) But (laughs) where's that sweet costume? Yeah. I I really do... I think one of the big mistakes of the New 52 was eliminating the Batman Incorporated concept. Yeah. Which, you know, they kind of kept it around long enough for Morrison to finish his story. You know, it was mentioned here and there, I think even in the main Batman books. Um, but it, it by the time Morrison finished up, it was it was gone. Yeah. And, you know, I do miss a lot of those characters. It'd be interesting to see some more of those characters come back in a series like this. One, you know, I think I... I've, seen in interviews the the creators have referred to this section of batman and robin eternal as like the the globe trotting arc yeah you know or um and that just kind of immediately speaks to the whole incorporated thing you know i'd love to see a lot of those international batman come back Didn't we get the was it, is it jiro in the batman eternal i think we did and I think we actually didn't we get another one of them in the the Ian Bertram yes, issue. Yes, I believe so. Yeah, but you're right. That would be interesting. I really think that you know we always talk about how there's just so many Bat books, but mm-hmm. I think there's not enough Bat universe books. There's too mm-hmm. many Batman books. 
I would love to see a Batman Eternal, like an anthology book, where you know those characters each get eight pages a month. Yeah, you know I really miss some something that they did a lot more pre New Fifty Two were the the big like hundred page spectacular. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, like I I'm trying to remember. I know maybe, maybe no, I think the one I'm thinking of was a, there was like a justice league one in like the late two thousands. But then I, I do remember specifically around the incorporated era. There were, there was a Batman annual and a detective comics annual that tied together and actually had to do with Azrael, I think. I think it was kind of like leading up to the the new Azrael series that was about to start, but it had a very um it had a very incorporated vibe. And I wanna say maybe it was one of those issues that introduced the the French Batman. The or maybe maybe that was a different series. That was the French Batman being the Muslim Batman. Yes, and there yes. was that whole controversy, which eventually led to Chris Sims being on the Daily Show talking about it. I don't even remember that, but yeah, I I don't remember. Maybe that was a different annual, but I do I do remember them doing a lot of things like that around that time that I really liked. Yeah, I agree. Well, anything else to add before we wrap this up? I think that does it for All this right. week. This was maybe our longest one since the first one. Really, thirty-five minutes. Wow. Yeah. Who'd have thought that Vince was the one keeping us, holding us back all this time? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, Vince. Get, get a little soon, buddy. We miss you. And uh, we'll see you next week. I'm Dick Grayson at the moment.